One of the reasons why I think the Apostles' Creed is such a great piece for us to include in our worship every Sunday is because it's so concise. It's few enough words that it's fairly easily memorized, and yet it still is able to cover all of the most important points of what Christians believe. So every Sunday... We have trouble with our computer. There you go. So every Sunday, we have this brief reminder when we recite the Apostles' Creed of the whole story that we are a part of. The flip side of that brevity is that every part of the creed is important. There are no cotton candy phrases in the creed. Every phrase has significant substance to it. If we skip over anything, we are confusing or diminishing knowledge that could have a powerful impact on our lives. I was reminded of this this week in regard to this particular phrase that we are looking at this morning, Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended into heaven Not that we've ever left that out before or that I have avoided this part of the story, but I did realize that I have never given it really that much attention or the attention it deserves. For instance, all official church calendars of major denominations, Christian denominations, all of them will always include Ascension Day as a day to be observed by followers of Christ. It takes place 40 days after Pentecost, and its entire focus is on this event of Jesus ascending into heaven. But I've never done anything as your pastor to celebrate Ascension Day with you. I've never created a a special service for that. And personally, as a, as a Christian myself, I've never really given it much thought. And as your pastor, I, I actually want to apologize for that neglect. Because after studying this event to prepare for this sermon, I realize how significant this event is, not even so much for what it says about any future life beyond this one that we know now, but for what it says about our lives here and now on this earth. This part of the Apostles' Creed reminds us that in Jesus, we have already begun living in heaven. Heaven is not an escape from earth or from this life. What we will experience of what we usually think of as heaven, is this earth, all of creation, becoming what we were created to be. Most of what we tend to think about heaven and see displayed in movies and TV is, like I was saying, that it's a a physical, geographical place and that it is located above. The iconic 
popular image of heaven is most clearly captured in a lot of cartoons where there will be an image of, of an elderly white man with flowing white hair and a flowing white beard, this being God, and God will be standing on a white fluffy cloud looking down. And in one, the bottom corner, whichever corner God is looking down toward, there will be a, a drawing of the planet Earth as it looks from space. And God will make some sort of snide remark to himself or to a, an angel nearby, like, well, that didn't work. Some of our confusion about this experience of heaven comes from the language that we use about it. I mean, ascended is a pretty directionally oriented verb implying going up. Heaven is a proper noun that leads us to think of a place. Add to those two words the adverb into and ascended into heaven sounds a lot like Jesus got on some sort of cosmic escalator and went up somewhere and went inside, whatever it is. Much of this language that we use, though, comes to us from human beings who lived in a time with a very different understanding of the cosmos than we have now. David Steindl Rast, a Dominican monk, does a great job of explaining some of what our ancestors were trying to express when they used this phrase, he ascended into heaven. He writes, in the biblical worldview at the time of the writing, heaven was considered the firmament, the sky, and the, the stars and such beyond. And as such, it was thought to conceal the dwelling place of God, who is, quote, enthroned above the heavens from Psalm 11, Psalm 103, etc. In this imagery, he continues, in this imagery, God is concealed by the firmament. We cannot see God. Since the risen Christ is with God, like God, the risen Christ is concealed, is hidden. His life is hidden in God. This is the central meaning of the passage in the Creed. So the idea of heaven as the dwelling place of God above us wasn't so much, even for, at the time, about describing a geographic location as much as it was an admission that in our own broken humanity, God and, and the fullness of God was hidden from our sight. So, given our very different understanding of the vastness of the universe and what we can see of it even, better for our understanding of the experience of heaven are the words of Jesus himself. In our gospel passage, Jesus is trying to help his close friends understand what is about to happen in his personal life. He's told them several times that he will, he's about to be killed, he'll be buried, 
and on the third day he'll rise to new life. In our passage, he is essentially telling them what will happen after that. Don't be worried, he says. You trust in God, trust me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, this initially sounds very much like our imagery of heaven as a place, as a space of some sort. In fact, Jesus is the one who gives us that image of heaven as God's house. But notice that even there, his emphasis is really about being, having you be with me where I am. And then, as we heard in verses 19 through 20, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my, in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He went on further and said, those who uh, follow my way, will, the Father will love them as well, and we will come to them, and we, God, the Father, and Christ, will make our home in them. This is the language of relationship. This is a deeply intimate relationship. I in God, you in me, me in you. Even the concept of God's home becomes a reflection of this intimate relationship. God and Jesus will make their home in the disciples in followers of Christ. This is not a geographic location in the ether. Heaven, in this sense, dwells in us, here on earth, or other way around, by being us being aware of this relationship with God in Christ, we dwell in heaven, even now here on earth. Ben Myers, an Australian theologian, ties together these ideas and what they may mean for us even now. He writes, through our union, our relational communion, through our union with Christ, we share also in his ascension. The lives of believers are now forever located in Christ, as Paul so often says. When Jesus ascends to the Father, he takes our humanity with him. In Jesus, our nature has taken up residence in the presence of God, and God has taken up residence within us. In some sense, we are already in heaven here on earth right now. This has not been an idea that at least some folks in every era have wanted to hear. Some leaders of the church, 
from early on were so disgusted with the filth and the stink and the ugliness of this world that they refused to believe that God would want us to have anything to do with this world in the future. Ben Myers, again, relates some of the stories for us. He writes, the dualistic sects of the second century had a distaste for some parts of the gospel tradition, including the story of Christ's ascension. Marcion's edited version of his Gospel of Luke had omitted both the birth narrative and the ascension. He just, he rewrote them and left them out. Because Marcion imagined a spiritual disembodied savior, and he forced the scriptures to conform to that vision. Other teachers claimed that Christ ascended spiritually, leaving his physical body behind. In those doctrines, the body is believed to be evil. The material world is consigned to ruin. Salvation is about escaping the misery of this world. But salvation is not about escaping this world. Salvation is about saving it. We don't escape this world, but we do escape the misery of this world. We catch a glimpse of what it means to proclaim that Jesus ascended into heaven. At least, I, I, one of the things that helps me is thinking about the meaning of Michelle Obama's saying, when they go low, we go high. There is this sense that the worst of this world is found in things lower to the ground. Snakes and slugs. The, that slime that you get at the bottom of a garbage can if you don't have a lining in it. Or the compost, you know, the bottom of a compost container if you don't have a lining in it. Sewers, septic tanks, all that stuff, that lower stuff. Whereas the best of this world is found, we think, in things above. The blue sky, snow-capped mountain peaks, eagles soaring. The worst words and actions are things like put down or lower your spirits or they oppress, push down. Whereas the best words and actions lift you up, raise your spirits, uplift. In this sense, the things that are from above are the things of God. They originate from God. They are the ways of God. They are, uh, the more we dwell in God, the more we live these ways of God, the ways above, the higher ways. We live them even on earth, and earth is as it is then in heaven. Since Jesus ascended into this full communion with God, we have ascended with him. So Paul encourages us in that New Testament passage to live from the experience of this truth. He writes again, since you have been raised with Christ. 
Set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. He's writing this to people who are alive. But it's saying in some ways you, you've already died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And he reminds us of some of those things that are from above that we can live here and now. Verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one and each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds all of them together in perfect unity. Those are the things that is living the life above. The more we live from above, the more earth becomes like heaven, becomes what it was created to be, the more and the more we become the people we were created to be. Remember, the biblical vision for eternal life is not that we leave this earth and go to heaven. The biblical vision for eternal life is a renewed earth where we dwell in full awareness of the presence of God with us and all is as it should be. No one is oppressed. No one is hungry. No one is homeless. Christianity, in its commercialized popular version, often sells people on the false hope that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you die, you will go to heaven. But that is not what we mean when we declare that Jesus ascended into heaven or what our experience will be. What we proclaim in this phrase is that Jesus has entered into full communion with God and has brought all of humanity into that fullness of communion with him. And that means our true dwelling place, even now, is with God in Jesus. Our goal, therefore, is in life is not to escape this world, but to live in such a way that this life and this world become what they were created to be. One of the, the worst scourges, in addition to the pandemic, one of the worst scourges to hit the U.S. in recent years is the epidemic of opioids. A significant reason that people get involved with opioids in the first place is because they are trying to escape the pain and the misery of this world or this life. I understand that desire. And the truth is, some people try to sell Christianity as an escape from this world, from the pain and the misery of this life. Frederick Buechner, great writer who happens to also be a Presbyterian minister, or was, he's not living anymore. Uh, Buechner reveals what the real answers are. 
any uh, piece that he, he called, uh, that's got the title Narcotics. He writes, whatever narcotics make you feel, dreamy or bursting with cosmic energy, whether they induce euphoria or hallucinations, whether they give you a sense of being all-powerful and all-knowing, or a sense of drifting through space like the dawn. All narcotics offer you a temporary reprieve from reality. Needless to say, that's what makes narcotics in particular, and drugs in general, so addictive. Everybody wants out from time to time, and they provide a way. Most of all, maybe, they provide a vacation from being yourself. It was Karl Marx who called religion the opiate of the masses. And the metaphor was not intended to be complimentary. Religion is only a way of making the poor forget the bitter reality of their life on earth by giving them pipe dreams of pie in the sky by and by. That's what Marx meant by his comparison. And the history of the church has frequently confirmed his analysis. There are other ways of comparing them, however. For instance, whereas people who do drugs get a temporary reprieve from a reality they often find too hard to live with, religious people claim to find a new kind of life grounded in a reality they find increasingly hard to live without. They would also say that if by dulling or sharpening or altering your senses, you can get a vacation from being yourself, by coming to your senses, you can, little by little, often quite painfully at first, but more and more gratefully as time goes by, become yourself. That much of the pie, anyway, can be yours, this side of the sky. When we proclaim that Jesus ascended into heaven, we are acknowledging that he is experiencing in full a reality far better than what we are experiencing here and now. But that reality is based on his complete communion with God, not some geographic place he is residing. When we proclaim that Jesus ascended into heaven, we are also acknowledging that Christ has brought humanity with him. Not in order that we will have some place better to go when we die, but in order that we can begin to experience the fullness of intimate relationship with God here and now. In Jesus, we have already begun to live in heavenly communion with God and one another. Heaven isn't an escape from earth. It is earth and all of creation, including you and me, becoming what we were created to be.